you got to get passionate about this thing. If the cross doesn't move you, nothing will move you. I'm offering you something that's greater than silver and gold. I'm offering you something that's greater than an increase in your pay on your job. I'm offering you a... There's no shortcuts to the glory. Week to week living. We've got to multiply our prayer life. We've got to multiply our efforts. And we are willing to give. God will always give it back to us in good measure that is pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Hey, thanks for checking out our Christian Life Church podcast. You will be hearing from one of our pastors or guest speakers, either at our Frankfurt or Lebanon campus. Prepare your hearts and your minds to receive a word from God. Thanks for listening. Enjoy and receive this message. Well, isn't the Lord good? It's a busy time. Thanks to everyone. So very busy and running and uh, a lot happening. But wow, wow, what a great Sunday we had around here. So many good things happened, so many great connections made with wonderful people, and I'm so very thankful for those that uh, labored and worked so hard. It was worth all the sacrifices that were put forth. We made uh, scores and scores of um, just wonderful connections, so many incredible comments and uh, thoughts and just believing that from that, uh, there is a seed planted that is going to bring forth salvation in someone's life. Amen. Amen. So I don't take it lightly you being here tonight. I'm going to take your attention to the book of Romans, the 12th chapter. And I'll be mindful of your time, try to get you out of here at a reasonable time tonight. May not uh, go as long as we have been going on Wednesday night. Uh, when I was hearing the series, I was trying to reach an end tonight. Try to be mindful of that and uh, not wear you out completely. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, a very common scripture that we use a lot, but I want to go back there. Uh, I mentioned in the announcements tonight that we have uh, the awakening season coming up, and I want to talk to you a little bit about where we are as a church and where we are going to and some of the purpose of why why we do the things we do during this season. Uh, first off, I believe the awakening season is an important season for us because it is the beginning of the year. A lot of people turn over new leaves and make uh, New Year's resolutions or making new commitments, and this is a great way for us to be able to, uh, to work together and hold each other accountable as we press forward into the new year. It's, a gr it's great timing for us to be able to, to move forward spiritually and uh, for our families to move forward together. So tonight I'm going to talk to you uh, from Romans chapter 12 for just a little while. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies. Everybody say present yourself. Present your bodies a living sacrifice. Living sacrifice. I want you to say that with me. Living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed.
How? By the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So I'm going to talk for a little bit tonight about the sacrifice and the altar. The sacrifice and the altar. And these run hand in hand. Um, if we were to do a study on the tabernacle plan, we do not get very far until we get to the altar. You come through into the tabernacle, the first place that you get to is the altar. And it is the place uh, of our beginning. I use the tabernacle because it is a perfect type of our relationship with Jesus Christ as everything uh, in the tabernacle point plan uh, as is taught in Scripture. And I may get into a series on the tabernacle uh, here in the future um, for those that may not be familiar with the parallels between the Old Testament tabernacle plan and the New Covenant experience with Christ. Everything was type and shadows. So we see what we see physically uh, in the tabernacle plan um, all the way through to the holies of holies where God met with man. We see through uh, Jesus Christ and his church and how that the salvation plan is so clearly revealed to us. We don't get far into relationship with Jesus Christ until we have to find our way to an altar and we present ourselves uh, as a sacrifice upon that altar. And so a personal and daily relationship with Jesus Christ is only possible by keeping a daily personal relationship with the altar. So without a daily altar and without daily sacrifice, relationship with Jesus Christ will suffer. Um, some time ago, I met with a young man that was struggling in several ways, not only with relationship in his home and family, but also in, in most every relationship in his life. And I asked him a question. And the question that I asked him was, tell me about your daily relationship with Jesus Christ. And I noticed by the response that I received when I asked the question that I was going to have to counter that with a more clear question. And I asked him, what does your daily prayer what does your daily prayer life look like with God? And he kind of paused for a moment and ducked his head, and he said, it is non-existent. And I said, none whatsoever. He said, none whatsoever. And we talked a little while about many of the issues that he was struggling with in his life. And, and I tried to help him understand, without having daily communication you don't have daily relationship. And so the only way to have relationship is to have communication. And so I, I delved a little deeper into that and asked the question to him, 
more pointed maybe than I ever have in all my years of ministry. And I ask him, what does your daily, uh, what is your daily bread look like? What does your daily Bible reading, what does your daily consecration, uh, your devotion unto the Lord, what does that look like on a daily basis? And again, he said, it is pretty much non-existent. He said, very rare. It's, it's non-existent. And again, we talked about the idea that there are two things that are required for there to be a relationship and communion with Jesus Christ. And that is our prayer life and our personal devotion. It is our sacrifice and it is the altar. And we're going to talk a little bit about this tonight because if we, going into the new year, um, I, I think I'm going to just throw a blanket lesson out here tonight because I want to challenge everybody that is in this room. I am not coming as one that is super spiritual and has everything in order exactly the way it needs to be because I too will walk into this new year with certain goals. Um, I'm not going to necessarily call them resolutions. If you want to do that, that's fine. But I'm going to walk into this new year with some goals and some plans to do better next year than what I did this year. That's called growth, right? And so I'm going to move into the year trying to uh, sacrifice in a new way or a deeper way to where my relationship with Jesus Christ is growing and becoming deeper. And so therefore, I, um, I, I like you, Challenge. I want to. I'm, I'm accepting the challenge, and I want you to accept the challenge of saying, when we move into this man that I told you about, uh, maybe you you would say, well, I started out good, but I drifted from daily communication with God, and so uh, we've got to pick up that daily communication with God. And what is my daily study, my daily bread? For some, it may be Bible reading. For others, it may be listening to. Bible on cassette, or maybe it's uh, listening to preaching and reading spiritual blogs and uh, whatever whatever it may be that you're connected to, things that feed your soul. We need it every day. And so by keeping this daily, we will find that relationship with Jesus Christ grows and becomes deeper. If I look over my life, uh, I will tell you that the most important place in my life is the altar. It's the most important location in my life. In every life, the most important place for us is the altar. Because without a personal altar, without us having a place where we go and place ourselves. Now, I'm not talking about physical altars tonight. But I'm talking about a place that we go in prayer. Uh, I have I have locations that I prefer to pray. I have a place in my office I pray. I have a place in the sanctuary that I pray. I have a place in my home that I pray. And the place that I pray in my home is my favorite place to pray because that's where, oftentimes, it may be at night. Uh, it may be it may be early in the morning. It may be late at night, and it may be through the middle of the night that 
I feel a call or a draw to prayer. And that's where I've got a location in my home that I go to. And that is my favorite place to pray because it is where I pray more often. Now, I'm not talking about public prayer. I'm not talking about in this pulpit and leading prayer. But I'm talking about a daily time of prayer and consecration to the Lord. It is it is the most important place and the most important time in our day ought to be our time of prayer. The most important time in our day ought to be our time of prayer. That's why I believe it is so very important for us to look into the Scripture and see different ways and different methods of praying. For some of you, um, maybe maybe prayer comes easy. For others, maybe prayer is very difficult. Uh, wherever you are in prayer and wherever you are in the seasons of prayer, how many of you know that there's seasons of prayer in our life? There's times that we're drawn to prayer. Anybody understand? We're drawn to prayer. We feel uh, some. There's there's times that I I wake up in the morning and man, I'm just so drawn to prayer today, and I will. It, it comes easy. And maybe it is, I come into my office and may feel drawn to prayer. Or in the evening time, or at night, I just feel drawn to prayer. Seasons of prayer, where prayer comes so easy, it's a drawing to prayer. And then, there are times that prayer requires us to be crucified in the flesh. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Where it's difficult. It, it, takes, it takes the crucifying of the flesh. I... I it's seasons that I would rather scroll through social media than pray. Uh-oh. Everybody okay? Y'all just leave me? There's times when we struggle. Every one of us struggles. Uh, it's human nature. Uh, it, it is, and during those seasons, if we're not careful, we will give in to that and relationship will begin to drift away. It's so very important that we understand that through these seasons, this is where it becomes sacrificial. This is when we have to say, oh man, that was, yeah, I loved that season because I was drawn to prayer. I prayed without ceasing. I pray, it come easy. But what about the season that you have to discipline yourself to pray? What about the season when your alarm clock goes off? If you're a morning prayer, and I think that is a wonderful time to pray when we wake up in the morning, to start our day in prayer. If you don't start your morning in prayer, I want to challenge you to set your alarm clock. Get up five or ten minutes early or more. If you're used to praying five or ten, set it 15 or 20 or, or whatever. Challenge yourself to do a little more. If you don't pray in the morning, challenge yourself. If it's just five or ten minutes of time, that you set aside to get up in the morning and and talk to God in prayer. Now let me let me set this for you. Let me set the scenario for you. Some of us uh, get false opinions of what these seasons of prayer uh, and sacrifice may look like. Um, I've got to get down on my hands and knees, and I've got to I got to I got to be bowed before the Lord, and I got to have my my face buried into um, uh, an altar, and I've got to wail, and I've got to weep, and I've got to mourn. Uh, that's not every season of prayer. Nothing wrong with that if that's how you pray. 
But I'm going to tell you that that's not the only way you can pray. If you look through Scripture, you will find many, many, many different positions of prayer. There is the prayer kneeling. There is prayer standing. There is prayer sitting. There's prayer with lifted hands. There's, there is solemn prayer. There is silent prayer. There is the prayer of the heart. And, and, and on and on we could go tonight talking about all the different places of prayer. Uh, it doesn't matter to me. I'm not, I'm not challenging you to a style of prayer. That's not what we're talking about. But I am challenging us to pray. Maybe you get up of a morning and you, you have your morning coffee and you sit in your favorite chair and you take a few minutes just, I'm not turning on the news, I'm not getting out social media, I'm not going to have a conversation. Right now, it's me and Jesus and I'm going to, I'm just going to find this time right now with me and the Lord. It may be, it may be quiet prayer, it may be loud prayer, you may choose to stand and shout and clap and and, and all the above, if that's what you if that's what you feel, you do it. But whatever you do, pray. This is what I'm trying to get across tonight. However, whatever position of prayer, whatever volume of prayer, um, sometimes we get locked into. Oh man, I, I want to pray like this one, and I want to pray like that one. Find your own venue, your own setting. Find your own way of communication with God. If every time that I communicated with you, I spoke to you in the same way that I speak to you when I am in this podium, it would be awkward. Because in this, in this podium, I am speaking to a crowd. In this, I, I am standing before you. I am, I am standing in the, in the form of, of lecture or or teaching, or preaching, and it's very, very different. But when I speak to you one-on-one, I am much more personal. I am much more relational. I, 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 I don't necessarily have to project my voice. I can stand and talk to you in a different tone. It doesn't mean I'm not communicating with you. It doesn't mean I'm not speaking with you. It means that the setting and the moment changes how I communicate with you. It doesn't mean I'm not communicating. I'm using this as an illustration to you to know this. There may be times that your prayer calls for a loud, boisterous, fiery prayer. There may be a time that your prayer calls for some quiet time and a quiet prayer. Sometimes I'm laying in my bed and if I want to pray a loud, boisterous prayer, I may feel I may feel a backhand once in a while. And she may say, "Can you go to the other room? I'm trying to sleep." Is it okay to be real? Is it okay to be human? Because that season, that moment, may be that I need to lay in my bed and. Sometimes, and I'm a, you, you all know that I'm a, I'm a crier and I may lay in my bed at night with tears streaming down my face as I am communicating with the Lord and talking to the Lord from the depth of my spirit. I may sense His presence in the room and I may not be uttering a sound because I'm not speaking words out loud is not a, that I am not communicating with God. That setting may be proper for me to communicate Him with him 
in my heart and through my spirit. But that's not the only way that I can do that. And so uh, don't, don't allow that to be to become your norm. I, I think we need to be careful about what our norm is. Some people don't feel like they've been to church if they haven't jumped up and down and clapped and shouted and ran the aisles two or three times. Well, that's not the only way that I can celebrate in the presence of God in the church. So I, I'm trying to help us understand, and for those that may not be familiar with this season, throughout this season, it is an extended period of time. And during this season, there will be different settings that will call for a different way of prayer. Be comfortable with it. Do what feels comfortable to you. Do what comes natural in that moment. You may pray loud. You may pray quiet. You may pray out loud. You may pray silent. You may, you may just go into a season of singing and worship. Whatever it is, communicate with the Lord. So no matter what you seek to, you seek to accomplish in your life, in your future, in your ministry, during your relationship with God, whatever it may be, I will tell you that it will never be greater than what already is. A lot of people wonder why, and I've had those, I've dealt with those as a pastor, things I never thought I would deal with, where somebody says, I don't understand why that, that this is not happening for me or that's not happening for me. And they want to blame it on individuals when maybe it is that they need to build an altar. Because our altar, our, our ministry will never outgrow our altar. Our relationship with God will never outgrow our altar. This is so very important for us to understand the importance of the altar and the importance of the sacrifice that we are placing on the altar. Every man, every woman, every boy or girl, I think I'm so thankful for the ministry of our, our children's ministry that begins at a very young age. Wednesday night is so very important for them because they call it kids' prayer. And through that, and there's all sorts. There's activities and there's all sorts of things that's involved in that. But the purpose in that classroom is to teach our children to pray while they're young. Things that some adults may not learn until they're older. We have challenged our children to pray and to seek God and to learn at a very young age things that some may not learn until later in life. So, so this is a, a, a great tool and a great ministry um, because when we teach our children to pray, they grow and develop and become young adults that pray, and they become leaders in the home that pray, and before long, they're leaders in the church that pray. The whole idea is teaching them to pray. My wife made a statement in a lesson that she taught here some time back, and I was reminded of it this week as she taught that lesson at General Conference this past year, and United Pentecostal Church International um, Facebook page made a reel and was promoting and and uh, pushing that 
out, and I saw it, of course, with my wife on it. I stopped to listen, and she made a statement, and she said, the Lord, the Lord doesn't get caught up trying to cause children. He doesn't discount children because they cannot pray like an adult. And sometimes if we're not careful, we think, oh, well, the children are just playing. They're just up here jumping around, and, and, and they're just, listen, their attention span is not what some of ours are. And, and it, it's a whole different way of communication with them. But the Lord never looked at them and said, except you become like a seasoned saint, you're never going to do anything in the kingdom of God. But instead, he reversed it and said to the adults, except you become as little children. The challenge here is for us to lose some of our grown-up, adult, it's got to be this way mentality and understand that it's just communication. As simple as a child, it is just communication with the Lord. But everybody needs a, needs a personal altar. And we can't be saved without one. Everybody needs a personal altar. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse number 12, Moses issued a final warning to Israel just before they entered the promised land. And he said, beware lest you forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt. In Joshua chapter 4, verses 1 through 3, God ordered the children of Israel to build a memorial so they would never forget what the Lord had done for them. The meaning of the Hebrew word that translates to the word we use for memorial simply means to remember or a reminder. So when they built a memorial, they built something as a reminder. It was a it was it was a physical reminder. It was it was the ribbon tied tied around the finger. It was the reminder. For me, I, I often will forget, I, I use iCal on my computer and it syncs with my phone. And so if I have something to do, somebody asks me to do something, I have to get it on iCal uh, so that I'm reminded. Because if you ask me tonight after church, somebody comes up and asks me something, if I don't put it down right there, I'm likely, I'm likely to forget because I have a propensity to forget. And so I have to put it down so it is a reminder the word memorial is is to remind the lord the lord tells israel to build a memorial at the foot of mount sinai moses built an altar of stone to commemorate a covenant that God made with Israel. Now, I don't want to overdo this tonight, but I just am trying to answer questions that before you even ask them, I've had people to say, well, the Bible teaches regarding fasting. When we fast, don't do it to be seen of men, but do it, do it secretively. And so how do you do that as a church when we call a corporate prayer? There was also seasons 
that Moses called all the people, the children of Israel, to fast. So how could they do it secretively if it was called to fast, if it was a, a public call to fast? And so in that day, Moses would call them to fast. Their, their oxen fasted, everything fasted, the dogs fasted. And so there was, there was times that they would be called to a fast. That is, what, that is what this is. I do believe that there are times when we may, as an individual, feel like, you know what, I need to fast. And the idea in Scripture is that when we are fasting, that is our sacrifice, during that season of fasting, we don't fast so that everybody sees us and knows we're fasting. The Bible gives a kind of an account, and this is what it says. When you fast, wash your face so that it doesn't appear unto men that you are fasting. Because if you do it to be seen of men, that is your reward. All your fasting to be seen gets back to one thing, the motive behind your fasting. So if we're fasting to be able to tell people, oh yeah, boy, I, I, I did that fast. I, some may, I want to brag that I, I went on that Daniel's fast and I did it for 40 days. Or maybe some want to say, I don't do Daniel's fast. And we, we deal with all of this here, okay? We try to give many different ways of fasting because everybody has different, um, ha- has different abilities because of, of your physical um, abilities. Some may be diabetic and can't go a full day or two or three days without food. And so uh, a Daniel's fast is a good healthy way. For some of our elders, for some that are on medication, it, it, um, it's still a lot of sacrifices involved. And those of you that's been through it know a, a true Daniel's fast is a lot of sacrifices. Now, we can say, well, we're going to skirt all of that. And we found fancy ways to get around it and to say we're fasting, but we're really not. We, we're defeating the purpose. Because we're not, otherwise, we're just fasting to be seen of men. We're fasting just to be able to check off, check the box and say, yep, yep, I fasted, yep, I fasted them. Looking for the easiest route out of this. Some may say, well, you know, I, I'm just going to fast the last day uh, so I can say that I fasted. Uh, more power to you, but the whole idea here is for us to fast together, to be an encouragement to one another during this season of fasting. Because for those of you that have been through this, know that 21 days is a long time. And for those that have done a 40-day, surely know that's a very long time. And so I, 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 never, I never put commandments upon the church. I don't know that it would do any good if I did, but I never put commandments upon the church when it comes to fasting. But we make it available, and we do announce it. And we're not announcing it to be seen of men. And we're not posting on social media uh, so we can brag about, well, this is what we're doing. As a matter of fact, I think it is okay for us to talk about it when we come together, but I don't think everywhere we go we need to say, no, 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 I'm fasting. Because that's what the Bible talks about. Wash your face where it appears. Don't come in going, 
What's the matter with you? Oh, I'm fasting. During a fast, sometimes I may be, I may have to go to meetings, meet with people who may not be fasting. And I go in and sit down, sometimes even meeting at a table and meeting on it over dinner. Any of you had to do that? Where you go in and sit and you're you're sitting at dinner and it comes time to, to order and and I'm like, uh, I'm just gonna have a glass of water uh, today, or if I'm Daniel's fasting, I may say, Can I can I just get a can I just get a salad or Whatever may may work, and people are wrong. No, I'm 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 buying. I want. I don't have to do a lot of explanation. If I need to say it's okay, we're we're church. We're kind of doing a corporate fast. Let's just leave the internet open. You're good. I'm good with it. Now, I, I if we're not careful, we get put in those settings, and we pout the whole time that our neighbors are eating. And they're sitting over there going, if that's what fasting does, I don't want anything to do with it. Now, some of us may feel like pouting. But the Bible tells us to control our countenance. That's what it's talking about here. Wash your face where it doesn't appear. In other words, control your countenance. Sure, fasting is not supposed to be fun. Fasting is intended to make you hungry. Not just physically hungry, but fasting is intended to make you hungry for the things of God. It is a season that we push back the pleasures of life, the comfort foods, the things that we enjoy for a season. And it is for the intent of us not trying to find joy and entertainment in eating, but it is just the daily bread to get us through and to get us by so that we can so that we can get our focus and keep our focus on the things of God. I think probably during our fast season, for some, um, I think that maybe portion of the fast may be more important and may be a bigger battle for some than the, the food battle. Anybody understand what I'm talking about? The, the media, particularly social media, because it has become such an addiction that we spend so much time and so much energy and so much effort. Yesterday was my birthday. Thank you all. So many kind comments and cards and all that was said last weekend in the service. And yesterday as I'm with family and I'm out and about my day and into the evening, I'm constantly getting reminders, several hundred reminders of happy birthdays, happy birthday, happy birthday. And I'm trying to comment on as many of them as possible. And I thought, my goodness, I'm out here trying to have a happy birthday and spending a great deal of my time on social media instead of living in the moment. Anybody understand what I'm talking about? That's just where we are in life. My point is, is how much time do we, we, we say we don't have time to pray, we say we don't have time 
to study the Word. We say we don't have time just to be in the presence of God, but we have time to be on social media. We have time. Social media is a bigger problem today. A few years ago, many years ago, there was a lot of talk about television and the amount of time that people spent and what a time waster it is. And I'm not sure there's anything good on television either. But I am here to tell you that a greater battle than television was a few years ago is social media today because it is a waster of time. And we get caught up in it and we're, we're looking at other people's lives. And so this season that we say, you know what, I'm just going to go off for a while. You, you know what you're going to discover the first two or three days? You're just going to have such a craving to be there. You're going to be missing it. You're going to, and then after about three or four days of being away from it, you're going to feel such freedom. You don't feel tied to it all the time. You turn off those notifications so you don't walk around with your phone buzzing the whole time. And there's a freedom to it. And it becomes a blessing. What we've learned in our home, now our kids are grown, so now we have to invite kids over. Kids like grown kids now. But in our home, we had so much time on our hands that we learned how to play board games and card games in our home with our family. But we didn't have time to do that before because we're all busy sitting there. the conversation, the time for prayer. And so there is a lot of reason for this season that we will go into in January. It will to disconnect us a little bit from the ordinary so that we can become reacquainted with some of the basic needs of every Christian and experience with the altar every day. A sacrifice every day. Looking through scripture, there are memorials that are built. As I began to talk to you about the purpose is for the sake of memory. Now, for those of you that have never been through this prayer and fast season, I, I, I'm going to tell you what you're going to see is where we are now and where the church is going to go to, because when we corporately together begin to pray together, fast together, worship together, come to church together, we're going to start seeing an elevation. You'll see an elevation of faith. You'll see an elevation in our worship. Because it's a whole, when, when you cut out a lot of those things through, when you just start cutting out all of these, these peripheral things and get focused on God, you will find that some of the things that weighted you down and that your mind had to run to will dissipate because you're spending more time in the presence of God. And you're going to find things getting better. You're going to find your emotional states getting better. Less depression, less anxiety, less frustration. You're going to find yourself getting physically better. You're going to find mentally and emotionally getting better. You, then you're going to find a, your spiritual walk and your faith 
begins to elevate. And when God does something in your life, in your home, in your family, when he answers a prayer, build a memorial. Get prepared now. Well, how do I do that? Write it down. Give a testimony of what God is doing because that is a moment that we need to go back to and be able to remember when we may not be in a prayer and fast called season and we're going through one of those difficult times and one of those dry seasons, we can go back and look where we wrote down and we wrote about the miracle that God done and the testimony of where God touched, healed, delivered, blessed, set free. And so get ready because it happens in this season. It's going to happen. Things are going to happen. We've seen miracles in the church. We've seen miracles in homes and families. I don't see Sister Stacy in here at the moment. Stacy Wright, I walked to her Sunday night. Many of you did not know this. Her father was in church here on Sunday. And if I understand correctly that he had not been in an apostolic service in about 40 years. And he walked in here, a person raised in an apostolic home, raised in an apostolic church, hadn't been to church in 40 years, walked in here on a Sunday. I feel the presence of God just talking about that. Walked in here on Sunday, and the presence of God began to sweep into this place. Listen, I, I didn't even get to share this with you, and I may share this again to the whole church on, on a Sunday. Uh, we were... I was getting ready for church on Sunday, and my phone dinged, and I went over, and I had a message on Messenger from somebody I had never met, Met said, hey, I have a, co uh, a couple of co-workers that's trying to get me to come to your church uh, on Sunday, and they gave me their, their background of who they were and where they came from and uh, what their religious background was and made a statement of, I haven't been to church I have I, I have a lot of reasons why, but I haven't been to church in 20 years, and I'm of another denomination, and I was baptized in another denomination, but everybody's telling me I need to come to your church, but I just wanted to cut through the chase and come directly to you and ask you, am I welcome being so far away from God? Am I welcome to come to your church on Sunday? I, I'm... I haven't had time to get with our team, to get with Sister Chelsea. I know works on gathering as much guest information as possible. I haven't had an opportunity to, to get that name and make that connection and try to find out if they indeed made it here on Sunday. But I'm telling you some of these connections are divine connections that God gave us on Sunday. Don't ever doubt when we move into this season of prayer and fasting, oh, yeah, the devil's going to fight. Oh, yeah, sickness is going to come. Oh, yeah, there's going to be difficulty. Oh, yeah, because when the church begins to pray, the devil starts to fight. But greater is he that is in us than he that's in the world. And I'm not here just to hype you up tonight, but I'm here to tell you when we begin to pray and fast, get ready because children are going to come home. Backsliders are going to come home. People are going to get saved. It's going to happen. And when it does, we need to make a memorial out of it. We need to remind people of it. Two years ago at our Christmas program, we walked in here with, with really not knowing what to expect. The Holy Ghost fell. And in that service, we had someone filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost and baptized in Jesus' name at a Christmas, at a Christmas program. That's the way it ought to happen. That's the way it ought to happen. 
And when we get in the season of prayer and fasting, get ready. Because it's going to happen. And it may be your prayer that God answers. It may be your miracle that God heals. Now let me go a little further into this. And I don't want to spend, I want to stay with my Bible class. I'm going to wrap this up in the next few minutes. But for some that is in this room tonight, I want you to understand that for some who may have different physical ailments, please don't even feel the pressure from this message tonight to feel like you even have to come and qualify it with me. This is a judgment-free pastor when it comes to your body. I want you to do whatever you feel that you can do. I want you to be sincere and honest before God, but for some of you, you may have physical ailments that prevent you from being able to do what others can. Listen, one of my sons went on a fast several years ago, and it was a juice-only fast. And I believe, I'm not going to do that because I'm very careful with this. This was several years ago. Went on a fast where he only drank juice for 40 days. God did some powerful things in his body during that season. Now, I'm going to tell you, I have never done a 40-day fast, neither do I believe that I have the physical ability to be able to even consider doing that. But at the end of that 40 days, there was a long process of recovery and getting his system back together. This is what I believe. I believe for somebody to take on some real extensive juice-only fast or no-food fast for long periods of time, to begin with, you need to talk to God about that and you need to make sure that God is calling you to that. And if God's calling you to it, don't let me or anybody else talk you out of it. If God's calling you to it, you do what God is calling you to do. But I do want to make it very clear for some, there are some that deal with sickness, some that have long-term illness, some of our elders. I do not want you to feel pressured. You may only be able to miss one meal a day. You may, you may only, whatever it is, I'm not going to sit here and qualify at all. But my point is, I want you to do whatever you can. It should be a sacrifice, yes. It's not intended to make us feel jolly. Yes, I understand that. But do whatever you can. But every one of us ought to be able to go off a meeting. If, if, you have, if, if your work requires you to be on media, do the work portion, leave the entertainment portion alone. And you know what you're going to find? Oh, well, I love my movies. I love my, I don't know what, I don't know what people watch. That's not, a, that's not something I struggle with. But I am going to say this to you. When you start setting those things aside and picking up the Word of God or putting on a sermon and listening to a podcast or reading the Word or reading a good spiritual book or listening to some good Christian music, I'm going to tell you, you're going to find yourself at a better spiritual state at the end. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. It's just, it just is. And so I, I'm so very, so very excited about this upcoming season and, and encouraged by those that have come and said, years past, I have dreaded it, but this year I'm excited for it and I'm anticipating it and I can't wait for it to get here. I can't tell you what I am feeling that God is going to do when we put forth this effort. 
working toward getting a schedule ready for you. It'll be it'll be available in, in here in the next few days. And our prayer season is going to uh, be be a little different because we're going to do uh, seasons of different different elements that maybe we have done before. And I mentioned to somebody the other day that uh, a portion of this we're going to bring back house to house prayer. And if you've ever been part of house to house prayer, there's nothing like it. There's nothing like it. When we go to a home and fill that home with prayer, we, we finally kind of stopped that when we started having prayer. And I think in our home we had 80 people that lined the streets and came into our home. It was difficult to manage. But maybe we'll go about it a little different way where we don't have 80 people in a home. But uh, filling a home with with 20 and 30 people that come together and are praying in that home and unified in prayer. I'm telling you, the atmosphere of your home will change. It will change. And so we're going to have a season of, of house-to-house prayer, and we're going to have corporate prayer here at the church, and we're going to have we're going to have group prayer, and we're we're uh, we're already talking about some of the things we haven't done a citywide prayer in a while, where we went to locations and met in different locations and prayed around our city. We're going to go pray over our school and pray over pray at the courthouse and pray at oh yeah oh yeah get ready because not just the atmosphere in your home and the church, but the atmosphere of this whole region is going to change because when the church begins to pray. When the church begins to pray, things change. Things change. So when God does these great things, we're going to build memorials. We're going to journal it. We're going to write about it. We're going to give a testimony. And we're going to talk about what God has done. I've got to hurry tonight. But when Jacob wrestled, he prayed the night through. And he wrestled with a man. And he had prayed before. He had he had other encounters. But he said, here's his words, I won't let you go until you bless me. That is the tenacity that this season of prayer and fasting calls us to. There are some things that you may be desperate for. Maybe there's some yokes in your life. Maybe there's some addictions. Maybe, maybe there's some spiritual, um, some, some, some things that you battle with and you struggle with. That yoke can be broken real easy. Because some things, here's what the Lord said, when you're de- dealing with life that's not going to break without prayer and fasting. just calls for it. And during this season, there's some strongholds in our life. Maybe it's something we've tried to conquer. I've had people come to me and say, I I, I struggle with this, and I'm going to try to give it up. I'm going to try to put that behind me. I'm going to stop using that crutch. I'm going to trust God during this season. People that struggled with anger and temper rage and different things that came out saying, I feel delivered from that. Because some things didn't start in our life overnight, and it doesn't go out overnight. It doesn't go out without a fight. And this is what this season is about. 
we're going to be fighting through these things. I won't let you go until you bless me. The desperation of that moment for Jacob that changed everything. He had a name change and everything about him changed. Some things that that are so very noticeable. Jacob, when he wrestled with an angel and there was a name change and he becomes Israel, if you watch through the life of Jacob, before that encounter, everything about Jacob's life, he was reaching and trying to get. His name even meant supplanter or rascal. He was always trying to reach and get and keep up with his brother. After the encounter, and he has the name change, then you see that then Jacob had a gift for his brother and for his brothers. And then at that point, he was blessing his brothers. Now that's a big step between the two. Here's what, I, here's what I'm praying that is going to happen. Some of, these, some of these things that we have battled with for so many years, some of these things that we personally may struggle with, I am praying that God breaks the back of those things. And some of us that struggle to bless our brother and bless our sister because we're wanting to be equal with them or we're wanting to overcome them, that God will help us. And when we get through this season of prayer and fasting, that we will be blessing them and helping them accomplish some of the great things, some of the great things that God can do. We were talking about the Christmas program, and there's something that I noticed, and maybe you noticed, was the spirit of unity and desire. I noticed on the platform, I watched during the worship as they were singing Sunday, and it didn't matter who was singing but it just felt like everybody was trying, was, was wanting them to put the note right. They wanted them, they wanted God to move. I watched some atmosphere makers that just got up and worshiped and left it all on the platform because they wanted a move of God in the service more than they cared about what somebody thought about them. When we get in this season of prayer and fasting, I believe some of our motives are going to change and we're going to become less making the church service about us and more making it about him. More worried about whether I get blessed and more worried about where somebody gets saved. More worried about, less worried about my feelings and worried about somebody else getting their touch. I believe God's going to do it. I'm closing tonight. must bring our sacrifices to the altar. Now here's what I'm closing with today. During the season of prayer and fasting, the urge of the enemy is going to be to find an excuse why we can't participate. And then our lack of participation will lead to skepticism about others. And we'll start feeling like, well, Maybe this is drummed up. Maybe this is pumped and primed. And I want to tell you that when you step in and you have
have skin in the game and you participate, everything that happens is going to have, you're going to have a different thought process about it. Because when you sacrifice, I've had people come to me and say, Daniel's fast is not a fast, it's just a diet, it's a different way of eating. I usually smile because I know that if somebody comes and says that, that they've never really done Daniel's fast because it is, it's a little more than just skin in the game. Can I get an amen? It's a struggle. It's a struggle. And because of that, we always open doors and say, we're going to have times where those that are not participating in Daniel's fast or Sunday refuse to do that and they're going to just do the fast. Today or Here's why, because corporately, when we begin to pray together, when we begin to fast together, there is an encouragement in that, one with another. And if somebody becomes cynical and somebody starts sneering about, ah, you don't have to do all of that. No, nobody does. But it is a discouragement to everyone. And so when we engage at whatever level, you don't have to come announce it to me or anybody else. It's between you and God. How much time you pray, that's between you and God. How much time you fast, that's between you and God. The level of your fast, that's between you and God. I don't even have to know about that. But when we engage together, I don't know how many people's in the room tonight, maybe 50. 60 people sitting in this sanctuary tonight, however many sitting in here tonight, I'm going to tell you when you get the majority together and it changes, it changes the whole atmosphere of the room, one starts worshiping, it's difficult. Somebody joins in, it's like, oh yeah, there you go, that feels better. Somebody else joins in, it's like, wow, that's better. But when the majority begins to join, oh, now, now it begins to feel like the, and the more that join in, the more it encourages those that may have made the sacrifice at the beginning to do it. Whether it's worship, whether it's prayer, whether it's when we move into the season, the more people in this church that get on board, and whatever level you can get on board, but gets on board and becomes an encourager to your brothers and sisters. Come on, are there any encouragers in the room? Is there some in this room? I'm not asking you to make a commitment tonight to how much prayer and fasting you're going to do. Those times are going to come. But tonight, we're just talking about the seasons that are coming in January and February leading up to the awakening conference that we're going to have here. As we are moving toward that season, I want you to just... Commit in your heart that, you know what? I'm going to have the right spirit about this season. I'm going to have the right, I, I'm going to get, you know what I'm going to get right? I'm going to get the sacrifice and the altar right. I'm going to start getting, the, I'm going to get the sacrifice and the altar right. That's me. I'm going to put myself on the altar. Because he's not looking for, what, what he's really, he's not looking for. He's not looking for you to bring bullocks and turtle doves like he did in the Old Testament. What he's looking for is for you to bring yourself and to put yourself on the altar and say, God, here I am. 
the sacrifice right, you're going to become an encourager to everybody around you. And every word that you speak, it's going to, oh, I hate this. Oh, I hate this season. That is so, so discouraging to everybody around. But when you come and, and talk about, come on, we're going to do this together. We're going to encourage one another. We're going to be an encourager. And we begin to encourage and strengthen one another. The whole atmosphere of what we're about to do is going to change. Drudgery goes out the door. I close with this. Serve the Lord with gladness. Mm. That's it. Well, how are you going to serve the Lord with gladness during seasons of prayer and consecration? Serve the Lord with gladness. Because what I'm doing is very small in comparison to what he's done for me. I'm not fasting to force God to do anything. I'm not, I'm not fasting to get the attention of God. My prayer and fasting is to prepare myself to be able to hear the gentle voice of God. I silence everything around me so I can hear what he's saying and what he's wanting to do in my life. Stand with me tonight. If you've made up your mind to be an encourager through this, through this simple little message, lesson, whatever it may be called tonight that I have brought you, if you've made up your mind and determined in your heart, I, I want to be an encourager. Particularly during this upcoming season, I want to be an encourager. I don't want to be a hindrance. I want to encourage others. I want to be a lifter and a strength to my brothers and sisters. That's, that's the whole purpose of everything I've, I've talked about tonight. I'm going to get the sacrifice of the altar right. I'm going to get the sacrifice of the altar right. If you've heard the word and received it tonight, I just want you to respond by lifting your hands and just committing to the Lord God. I hear your word. I respond to your word. If you want to step forward, you're welcome to step forward. You can pray right where you are. But we're just going to close with just a little season of prayer to the Lord right now, right where you are or here in the front, whichever you choose. But let's just talk to the Lord for a moment. Sing it with us, my soul longs for you. I'll let that be your prayer. The fear. 